Welcome to the Human Centered Leadership Podcast with me, your host, Kulmahe. I have worked in the leadership space for three decades, and now I work with organizations and leaders to develop powerful cultures of high value and performance that is built all around their people. We will interview leaders from around the world and at the very top end of their game to explore what emotional intelligence in practice actually looks like and the benefits that it could bring to any team. This is a movement to transform the way that we see leadership and to create powerful cultures where people feel seen, heard, valued and appreciated and consequently perform to the very best. Why don't you join the movement and subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to click on notifications to stay up to date with all new content. Welcome to another episode where I get to speak to incredible leaders from around the world and today's guest is slightly different. Uh, I'm quite intrigued. There's some clue words in there. I'm quite intrigued about the mystery of this guest. So today's guest is Joe Kors. Uh, Joe actually runs a podcast herself and it's called I have to read down here to make sure I get it right. It's called the, the Gorse Culture Podcast, the HR Detective Agency. How cool is that? Uh, and it's all about exploring the sometimes mysterious world of HR and explore the, the real life workplace challenges and maybe some of the solutions that go along with those challenges. Much the same as this podcast, really. It's about exploring the stuff that goes on in your workplace uh, stuff that leaders need to know about, stuff that maybe brand new leaders uh, might take a nugget of wisdom from and apply in their leadership journey. Joe, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. And I'm looking at your, for those of you who are on audio, you won't see what I'm seeing, for, but those of you on YouTube will see this. Uh, Joe's got herself a really good setup, you know, complete soundproofing. She's done it all herself. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Cole. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's lovely to see you. It's great to see you. We bumped into each other accidentally. Uh, only, was it last week or the week before, uh, you'd commented very kindly on one of my posts and uh, there was something in what you said, or maybe it was the title HR Detective Agency that grabbed my attention. I thought, ooh need to have you on the podcast and I reached out to you straight away so thanks very much for being so responsive on that um so I think you've listened into this podcast before so you get a sense of what we're all about do you absolutely do yes I you were you joined me on my long journeys from North Yorkshire to Liverpool um <laughs> every week so I, I would listen to your podcast and listen to uh, all the guests that you had on there and you have such a variety of guests and learning about their individual experience what their passions are and your own as well um just fascinating stuff absolutely fascinating for somebody who over four years had to be persuaded to actually start off his own podcast, and eventually I did, uh, you know, words like that do inspire me and to keep going and do more because podcasting isn't my natural thing to do. Uh, but I do get to meet some incredible people like yourself. And I look forward to these incredible conversations that we have along the way. So, I mean, you've got like 10 years of real deep HR experience. So there's a whole wealth of experience. You know, I always say that every, every person is a treasure trove of experience and it's really um, delving into that and finding out what it is that you can share with the world. 
So what is it that inspired you to come out of the world of HR to do what you're doing right now? I think it's that individual, it's the person, it's that individual within organisations, whether they're an entry level, whether it's a manager or a leader, um, whether it's a cleaner or a CEO, it's it's supporting that individual person. So for for myself, all all of the experience that I've had, I've gained something valuable from every single experience and opportunity that I've had, and it's it's helped support where I am. It, I've grown into um, to a person with with my own toolbox of um, of knowledge and skills that that I use all the time. You were talking earlier on, weren't you, about what inspired you to start your podcast and you were talking about going into all these forums. You want to just share that with our listeners right now because I thought that was really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. So this, um, as a HR professional, I love to, uh, I'm quite nosy. I'm a nosy person. Um, <laughs> Is that like a prerequisite of HR so. professionals? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think you've got to be nosy. You've got to have that intrigue. You've got to want to get into the root of all of those issues. And um, I want, I'm, I'm drawn to other people um, f- of the same profession as well. Now, but with that, you have such a diversity of people in that profession. So we've gone through, even in, in my lifetime, a, a new call within um, the police force as well, you would have had a HR team who were command and control and it, it was all about personnel management and it goes through to human resources. Yeah. Oh my we goodness, have... we could have some conversations, Joe. I always thought there were two spectrums of HR people. There were the people on the one side that were always about processes, policies, you know, very sort of bureaucratic kind of thinking, very defensive thinking, as I used to call it. And then on the other side, you had the HR professionals that really got it. They understood it's about the people. It's about getting the very best out of people. It's about understanding my strategic uh, aims and missions and objectives and and enabling those to, to, to take effect and come into being. So they wanted to reach out and say, well, how can I support you in that? So those are my two experiences. But I used to get really frustrated with some of the process-driven sort of stuff. And I, th- I think that's still the case uh, in a lot of organisations, but it's it's now separated between the hard stuff, the policy, the transactional, the your disciplinaries, your grievances, absences and managing those transactions, and the softer side of organisational development, learning, growing. And But why do they have to be two separate things? We all want the same thing. We all want uh, people who um, work in transactional only. They want their managers to grow and to develop and to 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 be better managers and and self reflect. But it's not really practiced really within the area. That's then pushed across to the the softer side and the OD section. So, and that's it. it's about people and it's about organisational and it's about the de- the development of that. Um, and, and that's where I am. It's about bringing all of that together. So I, I started off in in that transactional area, but I didn't feel that I fit because I thought about that individual person who was off sick and who were having difficulties. And I thought, well, what about that individual person? How can we support them? What can we put around them to help them be able to do that same job? And it's about equity, isn't it? It's given them the same opportunities. And I see too often 
that um, there's that divide. So you have you, still in the workplace, there are those individuals who started in HR in that personnel management. And it's still that, well, we have these policies, so you have to abide by them. Okay, let's rip up the policies. Let's have a framework about the workforce and about the individuals, about the teams. How can we all work as one together to do that? Um, so framework is, we're always going to have legislation and we always need those key policies, but we don't need to use them to beat our staff up and say, you must abide by this. You must do X, Y, and Z. We need to support them to be the best that they can within within the workplace to, to grow as an individual. And by doing that, clients or the patients or the um, the profits will just soar. You see, for me, I've, I've always seen things like policies as parameters. They, they sort of create the frameworks and the, the, the avenues down which you can travel or or the, the, the parameters in which you can operate. But within those parameters, you have a lot of freedom. Uh, you know, the policies don't steal away your your ability to demonstrate professional judgment or leadership or any of those kind of things. And I think that uh, sometimes when we talk about HR, we can get ourselves so stuck in that transactional sense. Now, now don't get me wrong, I think it's absolutely important, critical that we have some of those transactional uh, elements you know we need to know need to know how to deal with poor performance uh, managing uh, absences from the workplace disciplinaries whatever it might be i sat on those boards and so i know that how important that is but actually that's that's in you know a smaller percentage of the time that we need to operate like that most of the time actually it's about how do we get the best out of people and and from a leadership perspective which is where i come from i say it's the same with leadership you know there are times when we need to be command and control when we need to be coercive when we need to say you know you need to do this and you do that and you do that but actually those times are few and far between it's only when you have a dynamic situation when you know you have a crisis situation or something like that that's that needs immediate action but most of the time actually we can be more affiliative or more democratic in our leadership style so so i think um, you make a really really powerful point around when it comes to HR, we need to understand that most of the time, actually, HR should be about the people and getting the best out of the people and helping the leaders and the managers to get the best out of the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose within within that, there's the, the for the managers and developing them, supporting them. So within, within my time, and I suppose your own, a lot of managers become managers because they've been promoted and it's a time served promotion and they don't have the skills to be people managers and often feel like that that is not part of their job that the people management side of it is taking up far too much time and taking them away from their own technical work and we know that people can do the technical part of their job whatever role it is otherwise they wouldn't be there but what about that people develop how they're going to get the best out of themselves yeah. be able to self-reflect learn how to self-reflect learn how to support their teams learn how to give them that development and that's a huge part of being a manager and a leader i was literally having a conversation about this i think it was yesterday i was uh, with a client having a, a conversation and they were in a sales environment and they said you know Often what you find in our sales environment is that the top performing salesperson 
is more likely to get promoted to manager level. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they'll be a better leader than the next person just because they are a better salesperson. Uh, but we seem to have, in organisations, seem to have this thinking, oh, just because these, this person is really, really good at hitting the KPIs, the performance indicators, uh, because they're the best performing person on the shift, they automatically should become the manager. Well, they may not have the skill set. And the other thing that I find uh, with some organisations is that they do promote people but then they never send them on a timely leadership development program. So consequently, we've thrust somebody into a position, but we've not given them the skill sets to to work in that position. It's not fair, is it? It's not fair. And I come across this as a lot in a multitude of organisations. It is quite common. But what if that individual who's really good at their job has bad behaviour? Yeah. And it's, it's the, uh, the high-performing jerk. We keep that person within their role because they they bring in the money. Their their KPIs are spot on every month. Okay, so they might be accused of the the odd bullying thing, but that's just how they are. Leave them oh, to it because I've heard that even, yeah, leave them to <laughs> it because they 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 bring in a hundred k every month. Let's leave them leave them to it. But then on your other point, aspiring leaders, why are we waiting? until they're in that leadership role before we start to give them the tools and the skills and the knowledge to become leaders that they want to be. There'll be people who, who don't want to aspire to becoming a manager, a people manager. They'll be quite happy where they are. So it doesn't have to be development for all. But for those individuals who do want to climb that ladder, who do want to progress into a people manager role, why aren't we supporting them before then? Why haven't we got something in place to give them those skills and, and learn about themselves first and about how they're going to grow into that role? I think that's so important. I, mean, I, I once did a uh, designed a programme for an organisation and said, find me all of the people in your organisation who have got any kind of aspirations towards leadership and let me train them so that when, as and when they do become leaders, that you're going to get better leaders and they may be more inspired to actually go through the process to become a leader as well. It is so important to invest in our people to that level. Uh, and going back to your point about, you know, some high-performing person who may have bad behavioural traits or ha work to values that don't accord with the organisational values, they take shortcuts. Well, what kind of a leader will they become? You know, they are going to now be responsible for a group of other people what impact will they have on the other people? Uh, and if they are moulding these other people, this team, into working the way they do, is that is that healthy for the organisation? So there's all of these question marks that come into my head. Sometimes the best leaders are the ones who are, you know, average performers in the in the technical role. But the moment they become leaders, they, they become phenomenal, de uh, you know, delegators and great strategists and visionaries and phenomenal at bringing people together and focusing them in a, in, a, in a direction. So sometimes it's not about how good you are in the operational context. It's about a whole different skill set when you become a leader or a manager in an organisation. Yeah, getting the best out of people. Mm. So, and it's about team, isn't it? So there's so, there's so many elements within organisations that you need to be able to focus on. And, and focusing on that team is is a manager's responsibility to bring the individual and bring the team on um, to 
to become a high performing team and that's something we hear quite a lot everybody's aspiring for high performing teams and is it is that the organization as a whole or is it multiple teams that make up that organization and there are lots of things that fit into that whether it's whether it's um, diversity or true diversity so it's different opinions or whether it's the culture and a healthy culture and a healthy workplace so many different elements to it to be able to make an organisation that is fully functioning and forward focused. Absolutely. So listen, I mean, you had what, 10 years, just over 10 years experience of HR, you've worked in all sorts of organisations, in large organisations within the public sector, you've worked in NHS and, you know, having done a lot of work within the NHS and uh, health sector, uh, with the work that I do now, I understand that sector. Um, huge challenges going on within the NHS right now. What was it that inspired you to come out of these kind of environments to set up on your own? What was it that, I mean, I know what, what inspired me to do what I'm doing, but I'm sus, I, I suspect that there's something, some little fire in you that was ignited. What was that? It's about the individuals the individual HR professional or the individual business um, owner or a newly qualified HR professional. So let's take that last one. So that newly qualified HR professional, they've got all the theory, had a great time while they've been at uni or they've gone through um, distance, distance learning, CIPD, and they've got the qualification and they go into a HR manager role and they're given this complex situation, here you go HR, tell me what to do. They don't teach you that in CIPD really, they don't, they don't give you that nitty gritty detail of, uh, of what to do. So in some of the forums, in some of the networks that I'm involved in, there are lots of very experienced professionals out there in all aspects of HR. So a lot of these um, either standalone HR professionals or newly qualified will come along and say, I've got this situation, not dealt with it before. What do I do? Please give me your advice. So advice is given all the time. And it's from my advice would be from my own experience, from what my thoughts are, from how I would approach it from the environments that I've worked in. That won't necessarily work for everybody else. And that's the same for the other people within these forums. So the advice that was being given was from one side of the spectrum of this is your policy. You must stick to the policy. You must use this stick and you must hit them with it and make sure they're compliant. So this is about the individual. The individual's obviously got some issues going on. What about them? What about the situation that they're in? What about the environment that was going on at that time? How can you make sure that that doesn't happen again? What about that human error element? And then there was everything in between. Because it's complex, right? Because human beings are complex. It is absolutely complex. So there's all these different kinds of um, queries and, and puzzles and problems that are presented and they're given all different kinds of answers. I used to think, what about that poor person who sat there? And I, I would imagine that um, maybe they've been out of uni a couple of years and they're in their first standalone role and, oh my goodness, look at all these solutions that they're being given, which is great from one aspect, but standalone, who do I have to talk this through? Which one is going to fit my organisation? If I do that, will it impact this? 
so that I, I was often thinking about that and um, I also like crime not your kind of crime but the fiction crime I like Poirot I love Poirot is one of my favourites and um, A Touch of Frost there's a new Poirot film coming out by the way I saw it advertised on TV and got quite excited <laughs> a programme or a movie no, it's in the cinemas. It's coming out. I can't remember what it's called, but uh, yeah, I'm Amazing. looking forward to it. I'd like a bit of Poirot. Yeah, I do. I think, I mean, I can hear the theme tune now. David Suchet was absolutely <laughs> my favourite. So I, I love those. And I love the fact that they have a formula. And I love the fact that that formula goes on. And I got to the point, I was watching that many. I knew exactly who it was who'd done the dastardly deed and I knew exactly who was the the patsy or the red herring so I got to understand that so I couldn't sleep one night and I was sat in my bed thinking about Poirot's concept or Agatha Christie's and I was thinking about Castle which is one in the US and I was thinking about these um, these structures and formats and then um, I looked at my phone and I'd had a notification that um, a podcast had dropped and I thought about that podcaster's format for their their shows each week and I was thinking about their crime format and their podcast format and oh I want to be a podcaster have I really got any probably not but I wrote down all of these ideas that I had and I came up with this crazy crazy concept that um I would look at people puzzles so if I had a podcast I would have these listeners and these listeners had people puzzles that they were just trying to work out the best way to support the individual, the organisation, the team, the whole thing. What kind of things would we need? Well, we'd need witnesses. So we would need industry experts. We'd need to get somebody from um, pathology or somebody from forensics and bring them in and have these experts when instead from my perspective I'm bringing in somebody from either pain reward or well-being or organisational development to look at these. So um, each episode has this people puzzle that comes in from an individual and we talk it through and um, we talk about it and it's just a natural conversation none of it's the, the individual the the expert or expert in training as i was told off by one of them um they would we would they would understand they would get um, the letter before they the, we started recording so they would understand and they could put some thinking around this people puzzle and then we would just have a conversation about our experience pick out the key themes within that people puzzle and come to a solution for that individual about different things that they could look at what concepts could they put in place or which areas would they need to look at and more often than not we would end up going down a road that I wouldn't have expected so I had one where it was a, a reward transparency pain reward and I thought that would be the whole conversation but it wasn't it's about performance management as well and about the perception of pay and fairness so that conversation took a different route and if I'd have tried to keep that a little bit structured, that listener's letter wouldn't have got the value out of that. So it's pulling all of that together. And the aim really is to support that newly qualified or that standalone or that small business owner to be able to work through some of those problems. I love that. And it's, it's, it becomes a resource, doesn't it? Um, because I don't know about you, um, but when I was a young leader, 
I didn't know where to turn, uh, you know, aside from, you know, talking to peers about their experiences and what they were doing, um, apart from having been on a tenuous sort of leadership development program appropriate to my rank or level, some of which weren't very good at all, to be honest. Um, I didn't have access to plug into a podcast or listen to somebody, some expert talking about this. And I think it would have served me so well. I would have got so much value from that, which is really why, what inspired me to create my own podcast, to be honest, so that new leaders or aspiring leaders or even senior leaders can listen in and think, hmm, I'll take one nugget of wisdom from what the speaker has talked about today. I'm going to apply that in my own journey type of thing, you know. Uh, so I think um, I think it's a really valuable thing that you're doing, and uh, I hope many many people benefit from that. Because the more HR professionals and business owners that benefit from that, the more their people will benefit from that as well. I think uh, going forward. So what's your next plans? You know, in terms of impacting on people, because I know that's one of your driving sort of purposes uh, that you want to impact on people in a very positive kind of way. What would be your next steps then, do you think? Oh, well, would it surprise you to say that I'm writing a book? Oh, excellent. <laughs> so, um, I'll, I'll not say too much because um, the, the concept of it is um, so excited about it. I love this stuff. I mean, I'd, I get quite... Um, I go, I'm quite determined when I get my, my head into something and the passion that's pushing me with this... Uh, I can't remember the last time I was quite passionate about all of this stuff. So what I want to do with next is I'm, I'm developing this book and it is, it is like, well, it's a selection of books, but it's, it's a handbook of what to do in this situation, oh, what I to love do it. in that situation. Yeah. But it's not simply, this is the answer. It's, well, if you did this, what could happen? And if you did this, what could happen there? What I call consequential thinking. Yes, absolutely. Love it. Absolutely. Love and then it. from there, I would like to go go and support directly and support the HR professionals, standalone, newly qualified, uh, whether it's one-to-one or whether it's in teams. Uh, and that's the aim, to try and add value to those individuals and those teams to be able to be the best that they can be and then go forward and support their organisations with the workforce. I love that. And I think so many people will benefit from both the books and the work that you do um, I think it's, you know, as time goes on uh, and I get older and hopefully a bit wiser, I start realising that, uh, you know, many of the leaders out there want to do a good job. They want to look after their people, but they may not have the resources or the, you know, the they may not know where to turn to get the kind of advice or guidance or mentorship that they need. Uh, so things like podcasts, I think, really do serve uh, a purpose in life in the greater in the greater perspective. Um, so, if you were to leave our listeners with one nugget of gold, one piece of wisdom, one piece of advice that you think would really set them up to be great leaders, what would that be? Whenever I go into a new role, I think about um, the whole and the individuals that make up that whole. And I also think about the organisation and its brand. So when when I look at all that, it's about engagement and it's about experience. 
So if you get those two things right, for even from before an individual joins an organisation, gives the gives start them off with a good experience, and that travels all the way through, the end result is going to be something special. You're going to get you're going to achieve your organisational goals because that engagement and that experience then just feeds on and it becomes part of your culture. So for me, the experience and engagement with employees is absolutely vital because if you get that right and you listen and you give them a voice they're going to then feedback about what changes need to be made how we can move forward with focus with innovation and then employ that engage with them and take it forward so for me it's about that yeah i agree and if we get you know that uh, that engagement right with our with our people in our organizations well that drives trust the foundational element that's needed in any high-functioning, high-performing organisation or environment. Um, and, you know, we live in a world which is dynamically changing all the time. So therefore, organisationally, we have to bring in all the t- all the time, we have to bring in new changes, rethink the way maybe, maybe that we're doing things. That's called agility. And in order to get change through, you need to have that connection with your people. So, you know... Ha- thinking it through in advance and building that engagement with your people in your organization is absolutely critical. Joe, I want to thank you so much for spending time with us today. I've really enjoyed our conversation and we haven't even mentioned the detective hat that you've got in the background there. Is that what you wear on your podcast or is that just there to remind you? The thumbnail artwork for my podcast. Yeah, I love um, that by the way. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's a yeah, caricature it's awesome. of me and uh, with a detective hat. Clearly that needs to be the cover of your book, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But when that came through, I thought I need hats. Yeah, yeah. So I got myself a hat. That's the kind of hat you'd wear if you went to some, like, sort of Mediterranean climb investigating some murder. Uh, oh, yeah, like that's that. a good one as well. <laughs> a Guadeloupe, it says. Or, or maybe 1930s detective style. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> you'd have to be smoking a cigarette in a New York office somewhere <laughs> as a private investigator. Feet up on the desk. <laughs> exactly. Joe, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our conversation today and I look forward to uh, connecting with you further as time goes on. And no doubt at some point we will we'll, uh, meet up physically, I'm sure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Colin. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please do subscribe and click on notifications for new content. And of course, connect with me on LinkedIn. Take care. Have a great day.